New Perspectives on Irish History, Dreams, Themes, Myth and Ecology. This series looks at Irish history from different perspectives, starting from the time when the island of Ireland was a great forest. It talks about the first inhabitants, their lifestyles, and how they differed from the world we live in today. The series seeks to give perspectives other than the military-focused accounts of previous historical series. In this programme, we talk to Richard Marsh about the mythology of County Mead and the Talchon Games. We talk to Michael Slevin about the importance of Tara and to Ronan Swan, who is Chief Archaeologist with the National Roads Authority, about the work of that organisation and his work there. We first talked to Richard Marsh, who has written a book about the folklore of County Mead. The present is very much connected with the past. Yeah. The more distant past is connected with the present by place names such as Ard Bracken near Navan, founded by St. Patrick's nephew Bracken, next to the sacred tree of Billa Torton, which was planted from a seed supplied by Fintan, who was the lone survivor of the Great Deluge. Mythology is literally brought to earth in Meath, who can visit Newgrange or cross the great river of Meath, the Boyne, without being reminded of the mound's original resident, Boan. The Hill of Tara was the political center of Ireland for a thousand years, until it was cursed in the 6th century AD, and it continues to be an emotional and sacred focal point. As the meeting place of heroes, kings, and gods, Tara has seen the beginnings and climaxes of many mythological, legendary, and historical dramas and confrontations. Lou of the Many Talents, Mir and Aideen and Yochi, Dermot and Grania, Fionn McCool, Khan of the Hundred Battles, King Dermot, and St. Ruan. The 1798 Battles of Tara, Daniel O'Connell's Monster Meeting of 1893 against the Act of Union, and, of course, the anti-motorway occupation from 2007 to 2010. The Battle of Gara Akal, which took place next to Tara, signaled the end of the Fianna. The 5,200-year-old Newgrange is the most popular ancient site in Ireland. St. Patrick announced the arrival of Christianity on the Hill of Slain. Trevet, near Dunshockland, has a claim for being the first Christian site in Ireland. The Salmon of Wisdom, by which Fionn McCool got his thumb of wisdom that allowed him to answer any question, was caught on the River Boyne, and the Meath coat of arms proudly bears that same Braudon Fassa. The Ulster hero Cúchulain was a native of Meath. He was born at Newgrange, and his head and right hand are buried at Tara and the rest of him at the Hill of Slain. He remains a potent, iconic figure in Irish mythological history and politics. According to uh, the metrical Din Shenachas, Din Shenachas means the, the lore of place names, how the places got their names. And it talks about the Anak Talchan, the Taltown Fair. A fair with gold, with silver, with games, with music of chariots, with adornment of body and of soul by means of knowledge and eloquence. And then the, the uh, description gets into a, a typical old Irish format, where it says something positive by being negative. 
Affair without wounding or robbing of any man, without trouble, without dispute, without reaving, without challenge of property, without suing, without law sessions, without evasion, without arrest. If you ran into a cop, you could have a beer together, you couldn't arrest you. Affair without sin, without fraud, without reproach, without insult, without contention, without seizure, without theft, without redemption. And according to the Brehan Laws, a legal handbook, uh, published in 1894 by Lawrence Gennell. Enoch means first an assembly, second a hill from assemblies meeting on hills, third a cattle fair from such fairs springing up where Enochs once were held. Wherever an Enoch was held, a fair sprang up, but the latter was purely a consequential and collateral adjunct to the former. The Enoch proper was an assembly of all the people of a district, without distinction of rank, and apparently without distinction of clan. And that's an important aspect. Then over the years, as you say, this festival went back as far as the Tua de Danon, which was a long, long time ago, and they were the, the bright people, the shining people. Yeah, the ever-living um, ones. The, the origin of it, according to mythological history, is you know, Lou, who was a member of the Tua de Danon, and we think of him as the or a sun god. He was the real father of Cuchulain. Uh He was raised by a human foster mother who was the daughter of the king of Spain. So she was human, and she died from her efforts clearing the plains of Meath. And yeah. Lou was distraught, and mm-hmm. he established the the games of Talcha. That was her name, Talcha. So they're called the Talchan games. Yeah. The a Talcha. Yeah. Uh, in her honor. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And so... That's the origin, then. They, this was at harvest time. Lunacy yeah. is at harvest time. Yeah. And I think it just... The the whole celebration took on the name of Lunacy. Yeah. That's, of course, where we get the name, the Irish name for, for August. Michael Slevin, who runs the Tara Bookshop, will tell us all about Tara. Tara was the stage yeah. on which ancient uh, uh, stories happened, yeah. and uh, it, it's, it just drew me. I, yeah. I have no other explanation for it. Mm-hmm. It draws many, many people. Yeah. Uh, every year, people yeah. come here looking to hope to find a house that they can live yeah. near Tara. Yeah. I cannot explain it beyond the fact that to me it was the spiritual center. Very early times, mm. after, even after the coming of Christianity, mm. uh, the um, Tara still retained yeah. a, a tremendous amount of its Druidic uh, practices. Yeah. And even, say, the King Dermot in the 7th century, yeah. Yeah. he still used the old Druidic methods mm. when he went to war. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, the uh, it is said that the saints and the bishops around that time came to Tara and cursed Tara and yeah. said, "No king will reign in Tara again." Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, th- there was a curse placed on it mm. uh, because mm. it didn't give itself over. It has never mm. given itself over, okay. and it never will. Yeah, uh, that's the yeah. that's the point of the place. That that's it, right. it has a spiritual dimension yeah. that yeah. goes beyond. Yeah. Any individual religion, any individual yeah. uh, theology, yeah. and 
it is a, a connection with the human spirit that mm. uh, over uh, 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 supersedes, yeah. let's say, yeah. uh, any individual religion. So, yeah. no, I wouldn't agree with you. There is ever it, there was an attempt made, like the well of the white cow, the the mm. wonderful druidic well down here, just mm. down from us. Yeah. It has been renamed Patrick's Well. Yeah. Uh, there was a synod held on the hill, of course, yeah, to try yeah. to bring the old laws, the old Druidic yeah, laws, yeah. into conformity yeah. with the Christian yeah. uh, uh, codes, yeah. uh, codex. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it uh, it still has retained yeah. its uh, independence of any individual religion. That's true. And how far back can, can we go in records of Tara? When did Tara start? Well, right from the beginning, I would say 6,000 years ago, mm. uh, probably about 3,000 BC, at yeah. least that anyway. Yeah. When, uh, when people came, uh, came into the Boyne Valley, yeah. they st chose Tara mm. as a sacred place. For many reasons. Yeah, yeah. First of all, perhaps because it has such an incredible uh, view from the hill that yeah. we can see, a, yeah. a, they say, about 16 of the 32 counties of Ireland. So yeah. it was a unique place from that point of view. Yeah. But it also had an attraction to the Druids who were very sensitive to the powers of the earth and the powers uh, mm. that sometimes we do, we, we're so busy yeah. that sometimes yeah. we, we don't have this sensitivity. Yeah. And it appears as though they did. Yeah. And it was chosen for that reason. It was also chosen, a very important point, mm -hmm. it was also chosen because of its proximity to the sacred Boyne. The mm -hmm. Boyne was a sacred river to these people, yes. named mm -hmm. after Boan, the earth mother goddess. Of course, yeah. And the wells of the Hill of Tara, there were six of them, yeah. named in the ancient documents around the top of the hill. The water from the wells on this side of the hill, they mm -hmm. flow down into a lovely little river called mm -hmm. the Gaura River that flows yeah. down the valley. Yeah. And then on the far side of mm. the hill, they flow down into the Skane River. Mm. But the two rivers come together just mm. about a mile and a half north mm. of the hill yeah. and then flow on immediately mm. into the Boyne. That was significant mm. for mm. these people yeah. who took the topography of the land mm. as part of their spirituality. Mm. Yeah. The king at his inauguration here on Tara, one of the ceremonies of the mm. king was that he was wedded to the earth mother goddess. Yeah. He was wedded to uh, the earth yeah. and, and so that the cauldron of plenty mm. uh, which is one of the gifts that was supposed to have been brought here by the Daedanans yeah. that the cauldron of plenty would never run dry. So people have to a certain extent and that would include kings and, and all that they've lost the connectivity with the earth is it possible to get that back? I think we'll be, we'll be forced to get it back mm. but uh, the, the whole uh, idea of ecology at the moment, the threat to the world uh, of what we have done and uh, to it in a sense of pouring uh, uh, smoke into the atmosphere and all the rest of it. We have done that. We'll continue to do that. And yet we'll always be fighting for a new way of getting energy so that we are not going to destroy it and so that it won't uh, react as it it should react. That yeah. is nature. Yeah. And yeah. a respect for that. Mm. If it did happen, if a cataclysm did happen, yeah. if the world was destroyed, mm. nature would go on as though we were never yeah. here. Yeah. 
Uh, That's the point. So we have to start looking, and we are, I think, starting to look in a serious way um, at the limited resources that our world has, Mm. the limited resources of the wonderful soil, of the wonderful trees, of the wonderful waters, uh, all of those things, uh, Mm. the resources that Mm. we are beginning to take greater uh, uh, interest, maybe too late, maybe too late, but certainly uh, we are looking at it as the cauldron of plenty is it's going to stay full or empty. They had a tremendous dependence Mm. on the earth, a Mm. tremendous dependence Mm. on the seasons, a tremendous Mm. dependence on understanding the stars Mm. and the the, the changes of climate and all the rest of it. And we, we, yes, we have to learn from them that they had respect for what was there and it was direct. There was no intermediary between them and their sustenance from the earth. So it was direct. They were in contact with it all the time. Mm. And uh, yes, we can learn from them, Mm. but there are no lessons Mm. Mm. that they can teach us Mm. to cope with Mm. the huge Mm. uh, amount of problem that we face now uh, in uh, the world as we are living in it today. Well, when we walk the Hill of Tara, we are wrapped around in history and in legend. You, you cannot escape it. And when you look at the mounds, uh, you interpret them in your own way. It is a blank page in some ways to allow us to place our thoughts onto Tara and it responds to us. It is a spiritual, has been a spiritual place from the beginning. It is still a spiritual place and always will be. Ronan Swan, Chief Archaeologist with the National Roads Authority, will tell us about his work in that organisation. As a Head of Archaeology at the National Roads Authority, um, we're concerned about, or I'm concerned about, managing the impact of um, our road building activity on archaeology. We're concerned about ensuring that we do everything in accordance with the legislation, in accordance with the regulation, and also to do it to as high a standard as possible. And to do it, um, to ensure, and one of the ways we do that is to ensure that the results we find, uh, we communicate to the public. We bring some of the wonderful discoveries and make make the public aware of them through a variety of different ways. So basically, then um, you have come across many important sites then in the process, and the one that people that comes to mind most for a lot of people is the M3 or the one that affects Tara. So could you, if you like, for want of a better word, justify? what has happened there because there were some one or two controversial sites. Uh, certainly, uh, the uh, M3 was a, was a very controversial site and uh, very emotive. Um, a lot of people put their hearts and souls, uh, both those who are in favour of the road and also those who are against the road uh, being built. Um, it's important to remember that just like a, a petrol station or a forest or a housing estate, building a road will impact on archaeology and 
that our that our impact has to be managed uh, appropriately. And I certainly think um, when we look at DM three, um, um, we can look at a, a good impact, a good management of impact. For example, Martin Carver, Professor Martin Carver, um, he noted that the M three one is the most uh, sensitive archaeological responses to any um, project uh, constructed. The uh, route that was selected which was approved by Umbor Panola, did move the road further away than the existing, um, uh, than the exi- than the then existing road. And also, I think several years after the fact, uh, people worried that uh, one's experience of Tara would be uh, diminished by the presence of the road. I think if you go out to Tara today, uh, you won't um, be, be aware of the road. Um, you won't have that awareness. The road is buried within the la- uh, landscape. It's hidden within the landscape. It's uh, screened through planting, through trees. It's got a very low contour. So it, I don't believe that you're, you're going to be impacted uh, on the road. And I also think an important thing is that in the course of that, um, those deliberations as to where to site the road uh, through the um, route selection or through the constraints study, through the route selection, through the EIS, and also through the... Um, tremendous and uh, detailed archaeological work that took place in identifying um, both the known and uh, known monuments which we avoided and also an awareness that we were going to impact on uh, previously unknown sites uh, that have been tremendous fruits have come from that work for example the um, if we look at one of the finest Mesolithic sites we have in Ireland was found during the course of the works in Clownstown. It was actually um, a fishing site that was at the edge of a lake and we're talking about at the edge of a lake maybe uh, 8,000 years ago. Other sites along the M3 which are of uh, uh, wonderful sites are especially the uh, Lismullen Post Enclosure. This was discovered um, in 2007. It was uh, previously unknown. it became it was identified during the uh, advanced works, the excavation works, and it was subsequently declared to be a national monument. There was a lot of uh, uh, thought, effort uh, went into the proper uh, management of that site, the proper excavation of that site, and that site's now actually been published as a book called Harvesting the Stars. It's one of the NRA monographs. One thing we have is that all of our excavations that have been carried out in roads programs, uh, there's over 2,000 of them. Uh, more than 1,900 of them are available and it's one of our ongoing plans um, to make them available to people. So yeah. if people are interested in particular reports or excavations in a particular area, we're very happy to make them available. We're also yeah. working with the Digital Repository of Ireland and Discovery Programme to uh, to make those uh, reports available online so that people yeah. can go on and see what is there. Yeah. And if you're a scientist or uh, any kind of practitioner, and you're able to get information from that, that'll be absolutely wonderful. I come from, a, as you say, a perspective of an archaeologist, mm. but there's, of course, another perspective where mm. people uh, view it as part of their, their day-to-day life, their spiritual, yeah. their sacred life. And that's something, as an archaeologist, I always have to remind myself of, so over time we'll be able to help fill in that picture. Yeah. The other object I've got here is the bell. And um, this, is, again, is, a, is a, a replica. And it came from a site outside... Um, uh, Mullingar, Clonfad, between uh, Mullingar and Tyrrell's Pass and we have this now and I'll just let your listeners hear it Now, in the 21st century we're used to lots of different sounds but if you can imagine uh, back in um, the first millennium 1200 years ago uh, or 1000 years ago you can imagine that you're in in the countryside and you've got Christianities coming into Ireland oh. and you're hearing this bell 
Yeah. You're hearing the sound, yeah. and you can imagine how the difference difference uh, that will be yeah. from the sounds we hear today. Uh, it's a wonderful place actually to, to do this because yeah. we're in the middle of um, a very very beautiful place in St Anne's, and we've got the birds singing, and we can hear the trees, we can hear the wind in the trees around us. Yeah. I am Kerry, by Sigerson Clifford. I am Kerry, like my mother before me, and my mother's mother and her man. Now I sit on an office stool, remembering, and the memory of them like a fan soothes the embers into flame. I am Kerry, and proud of my name. My heart is looped around the rutted hills that shoulder the stars out of the sky, and about the wasp-yellow fields and the strands where the kelp-streamers lie, where, soft as lover's Gaelic, the rain falls, sweeping into silver the lacy mountain walls. My grandfather tended the turf fire, and... Leaning backward into legend, spoke of doings old before Quill's inked history. I saw dark heroes fighting in the smoke, Dermot dead inside his ivory cave, and Deirdre queening upon Nisha's grave. I see the wise face now with its hundred wrinkles, and every wrinkle held a thousand tales of Finn and Oscar and Conan Moyle and sea-proud Nile, whose conquering sails raiding France for slaves and wine brought Patrick to mind Milku's swine. I should have put a noose around the throat of time, and choked the passing of the hobnailed years, and strayed young always, shouting in the hills where life held only fairy fears. When I was young, my feet were bare, but I drove the cattle to the fair. "'Twas thus I lived, skin to skin with the earth, "'elbowed by the hills, drenched by the billows, "'watching the wild geese making black wedges "'by skelligs far west and anaskal of the willows. "'Their voices came on every little wind, "'whispering across the half-door of the mind. "'For always, I am Kerry.' Can you tell me about the Hill of Tara? A long time ago, Irish kings lived there. Uh, was the centre of the Irish kingdoms. It's near Newgrange. It is part of... There's the Hills of Tara, there's Newgrange, Noth and Dalf. So why do you think it's important, the Hill of Tara? 
It's because we must we must guard our heritage because we have no idea. We don't know the full extent of what it means. We have no idea. They're all the time coming up with new theories. You know, was it a calendar? Was it a clock? Did they calculate the size of the Earth from it? You, you've heard that theory. That's a I new heard one. That one no, it's no. great. So you know, if you you discard archaeology at your own risk, because you discard knowledge. Do you think Newgrange is important today? It- Obviously took a long time to build. They didn't just slap it up overnight. There was planning that went into it. So culturally, it would have been important for the people of that time. So in the same way that Stonehenge or the pyramids are important, Newgrange would be important. I mean, like Newgrange is older than the pyramids by several thousand years. Yeah. You know, uh, and was still a very impressive feat. Can you summarise the story of Ushin, Neve and Tiernan Og? Well, Ushin was a warrior. And... Uh, he met uh, Neve Kainor and he was on horseback and he was told by, by the Druids and the gods, when you get back to Ternalog, you have to stay on your horse because if you get down off the ground, he came back as a young man. He'd been away for hundreds of years possibly or even and he came back as a young man and still he hadn't aged because he had been in Ternanog, you see. But he came back and he met Neve Kainor. Neve Kainor, as the, the name says, Kainor, long, long, beautiful blonde hair. And he fell in love with her and he was chatting her up, so to speak, and he was leaning down towards her to give her a little pogey in Erin. Erin on cheek. Erin Aig. And hit Shea on Goppel. He fell from the horse down onto the ground. Straight away, he turned into an old, old, old man. And some claiming that he fell off his horse picking up bricks. Some say he fell off his horse admiring the girl, Neve. My version was that he fell off the horse while he was talking to St. Patrick. Now, I also recollect that there's a whole poem about Oshin's conversation with St. Patrick. And St. Patrick was asking various questions, and he was asking St. Patrick various questions. So that's where the Christian and the mythology were combined. Do it, Adana. They were like the next people to come after Formorians or something like that. Yeah. And then the Formorians still like had a hold over them or something. And they go off and they get like seven wonders of the world. They get like horses that can run on water and pigs that don't die and all that kind of thing. We've come to the end of this programme. You have been listening to new perspectives on Irish history, dreams, themes, myth and ecology, part of the Sound and Vision series of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. I'm John Houghton, and I would like to thank all those who took part in this programme and the research and production team, myself, Paul Loughran, Alan Weldon and Neil Doyle. This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.